on anymore. <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing. So hopefully it's here. I got to post. Hopefully I cut the device speed. Invite the co-hosts. Alright. So it's recording. Alright, we're good. Pete, did we turn this into a road to Blake Street, man? I think I think we could do some intertwining because I definitely on the pod wanted to touch on some of these uh, just ad- these offseason additions. We okay. we mentioned okay. the pundits. I think there's there's some prospect stuff to talk about. You know, MLB.com just dropped the top 100 international signing period. Basically, all happened last week. So we've got some 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 on both ends to talk about. So let's do that. Let's let's finish our rundown that we had for the pod and then finish it with the baseball prospects 100 and then maybe give a little sneak preview of our top 10, top 20, throw a few names True. out there. I, I wasn't even thinking about that. That is perfect. Yeah, we we've got right. that top 35 dropping in what I think we'll we'll have it out week? next week. We'll we'll get everything wrapped up this week or this weekend. So yep. we could do it. Yeah, we could do a top 10 preview. Let's give a little preview there. All right. So let's, let's uh, international signings. So last time we talked, so a week ago, two weeks ago, we had international signings. Rocky signs five guys, um, at least five guys. I'm kind of I'm pretty sure that's all the reports are out there. Um, I saw Robert Collaz, number 24 international prospect from Dominican Republic, outfielder for 1.7. I think that's the second highest in Rockies history, right behind Diane George. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. So another exciting guy. Do you think he starts in the Arizona Complex League, or do you think he's uh, staying at the DSL? You know, probably probably DSL. I think that's just the best way for a lot of those guys to adjust to pro right. ball. Uh, I'm I I don't know how old he is. Let's let me check real quick because if especially if he's like seventeen um, or or even eighteen, you probably want him in the DSL for for a year. Um, we I mean we saw that with with Dion Jorge last year where he just played the DSL all year. And yeah. I think that helped him because by the end of the year, he, he put up really good numbers. Like for a while I was looking at him, he was 19 in the DSL and he wasn't really dominating, dominating. And then the second half, like he kicked it into gear. So I think that would be the ideal route for them to take with Kalaz. Um, he's the only guy we really have any info on toolsy guy. I think I think the power is the the biggest tool he has right now above average power. There's been talk of him as a center fielder with some speed, but I've also read a report that he's more of like an uh, a 45 speed guy and probably doesn't stick in center. So we'll just have to see. I mean, those are yeah, conflicting reports. I can't contribute my own observations to to the table. Um but I'd sign him for 17. I I think offensively he's he's a pretty safe bet. So it's good for them to just keep adding on this front. They they continuously find really good players despite not, you know, getting the top guys in the class. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think, yeah, you're definitely right on something there. Uh, four other guys. I love the name Alexander. Um, it's spelled A-L-A-S-S-A-N-D-E-R. Just a sweet name. De La Cruz. D-R, 650K. Yiker Reyes. Yiker. Um, another sweet name from Venezuela. 500K outfielder. Jeremy Seriaso, Sir, yeah. uh, shortstop, DR, 500K, and then Alice, Allison Zacharias, right-handed, right-handed pitcher, DR, 500K. So spend some money, 
got it out there, added some talent to the international pool, which the Rockies are full of, right? You got Yankel, um, Juan, Victor, Victor Warriors was an international signing. Um, definitely a few other names in there I forgot. So you got to kind of trust them when they do this international thing. So pretty and excited I mean, that. When you're throwing around that money, like you have to think about it in the same context of like the draft signing bonuses, like 500K is a, I mean, I don't, I might be, you know, off base on this a little bit. That's like a third or a fourth round pick. And the third or fourth round picks are usually guys who, who contend to make an MLB roster. Like 500K is a lot to throw around on a guy. Uh, it, it tells you a lot about how, you know, how safe and and how confident the team is in that. Like that's money. It's not a salary. That is, that's just a signing bonus. Right. Like that money is invested today. I don't know if it, it probably is paid out, you know, lump sum, but like that money's all committed right now. Um, you know, you are, you're not trying to, to just throw that money for the sake of throwing it. And just to clarify 500 K that is, yeah, the equivalent of a, of a pretty early fourth round draft pick. And then if you if you look at 650 k, which is what Alessandro De La Cruz was, six fifty k, that's getting you into the middle of the third round. So, and then and then let's let's just do one seven for the heck of it. One seven, that's about equivalent to the 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 forty sixth pick, which is an early second rounder. So think about Robert Calas as an early second round draft pick. You know, definitely a lot more upside and and you know potential versus present ability but that's basically like a second round pick that the rockies added to the system yeah you can't be mad about that um i was just getting mike on the phone he's gonna look up the 43rd pick so that's an ivan melendez type talent um that's the one name i know on here jake bennett jacob miller jackson ferris connor prelip connor prelip was the one we talked about jackson cox jackson cox was the 50th pick um for the rockies so you're thinking about that kind of talent, so that's perfect. I like how you, I like what you just did there, Tyler. Nice work. Um, Tying led the shoes basically, taking <laughs> one lace, crossing it over with the other, making the loop, and boom. It's, I mean, I think when you, when you do think about baseball and especially the prospect world, it's all it is all kind of on on the same playing field. You know, the draft, um, yep. And, yep. and and the international signings. I think it all is very comparable. So. These guys just don't get the same kind of cover. These guys don't really get any coverage, especially not on TV. Like, there's like a whole day of tweeting, and that's about it for international signings. Uh, it, it'd be cool if the if MLB could bring them a bit more attention to this. Uh, you know, highlight that these guys can be. Fan- I mean, uh, I think it's close to like half of Major League Baseball is is international players. Like, this right. is just as big as the as the MLB draft. And when you look at some of the top, top players in the league, they were international signings. But yep. those guys did not, you know, fans of the, like, regular fans of those teams didn't know about those guys until maybe, like, a year or two before they got to the big leagues. Like, international signings do not get the coverage they deserve. No, it's just, it would be very hard to figure out a way to do that. Just because, right, you're watching, what, 15, 16, 17-year-olds play baseball and figure that out. Yeah, but like there should like, be like send somebody down there, send a beat reporter down there, and give us something to look at, right? And um, like the DSL especially, like you right, got studs yeah. out there every year. Like you know, it wasn't too long ago that Antonio Senzatella put up like ridiculous numbers in the DSL, and 
you know, here he is being the Rockies' fourth starter at, to this day. So, like, you could really get some guys on, on the map. Uh, they've got the crazy facilities down there, and we know the Rockies do. They've basically got, like, a college campus for these guys. Like, yep. it's got a couple fields. It's got a school. It's got a place for them to live. It's got It's got everything. Um, you could totally get a lot of media coverage coming out of there. You know, there's the language barrier, which you would, I mean, you just need to have a reporter down there who can, who can, you know, turn things around for, for people in the States. Um, and, and also just get these guys publicity in their own country. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some ways to go about it. Just MLB does MLB things. So <laughs> hopefully they figure that out soon. Maybe yeah. Can't, can't maybe expect them to do that much. Out. Yeah, <laughs> Ben, start covering, start covering the DSL Ben Verlander. Yeah, then, then you might get some respect on our end. Um, God, I dogged on him a lot tonight. Whatever, uh, be better. And, and you know, I gotta say, I, I I was keeping it very positive for us. Ben Verlander, you know, seems like a nice guy. I, I wish him the best this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we need we need better Rockies coverage. Yes, we do. Um, and, at least from the national perspective. I love what DNVR, Pierre Perot, everybody that covers the Rockies do a fantastic job. Give us some reason. Why can't everybody just be DNVR? Right. Like, and then then we're just everybody's gonna be mad at them. True. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's gonna be mad at everybody somehow in some way. Patrick his Patrick's replies will just become hate. <laughs> yeah. And he's too nice of a dude to allow that to happen. Do not be mean to DNVR, guys. Don't do that. Be mean to Ben Verlander. That's how ESB sent you. Um, all right. So, <laughs> nice little segue. MILB report. Thank you for the question. First comment. Um, it just, oh, it's a nice little segue into what we're doing. So, do you see Jason Hinchman signing? Yes, we saw it, brother. Come on now. He had 26 homers and 470 OPP in 2020. So now you're the college guru, Tyler. Um, he's one of the signings that we're going to talk about. We have a few others that we're going to in there. But let's start Jason for MILB here. So Jason, very unique story. Tennessee Tech um, product. I think Tennessee Tech's a D3 school. Ohio Valley, so maybe not. Um, put up some big numbers. One, two, 1.22 OPS out there. Um 11 doubles, 26 homers, 73 RBIs, which is insane for a college player. Um, has the talent, free agent signing, all that. Here's where I get a little leery, and it's a very small sample size, but it's the MLB draft summer league thing that uh, our buddy, our boy Nick told us about yeah. last year. He played two games, 10 plate appearances. Like, why is he only playing two games? What's that about? Two plate appearances, six at bats, um, no power, no batting average, OVP of 300. Again, very, very small sample size, but I don't know how that works. That just is on my mind. That's all. I'm just giving you the numbers. So I don't know. It's it's a signing. I mean, we love these guys. We love Duke and Darnell for this like exact reason, coming out of nowhere, finding a way to get there. He might make some noise. He has the power, right? Um might make some noise in Fresno. You have to imagine he plays in Fresno. He's 22-year-old. He's 22-year-old coming out. Um, I mean, I don't hate it. There's no bad thing as a minor league free agent signing. I don't know much more beyond that. Maybe uh, Tyler's had enough time to find some information. Um, but what can you give us on the Jason Hinchman? 
Tennessee Tech. Yeah, I mean, I, I just to, to clarify, he Tennessee Tech is D one. You yeah. know, it's it's totally near the the bottom of of D one power rankings, but he put up over a a a one point one OPS. In, in his last three, actually, wait, no, 2021, he did not. But he does have three NCAA seasons to his name where he put up over a 1.1 OPS, two of which over a 1.2, two seasons with over 24 homers. Uh, like, this dude does rake. I think the fact that he's playing D1 talent shows, like, he'll translate to the pros for sure. How far he's going to get, uh, you know, he... he Considering he's not playing the highest level of competition in college and his his walk rate wasn't great and his strikeout rate was, you know, 20% close to that. Like, I don't think he'll be a great hitter, although he did make a lot of contact, a lot of a lot of good contact. Uh, but I, I think he'll meet his match a little bit. But hopefully this is another guy, you know, kind of like a, a Brenton Doyle, at least offensively, can can go out there and just hit bombs uh, and then. You know, I, I think he's he's definitely a corner outfielder. He played a good amount of center field in college. He has he has thirty seven starts to his name there, uh, but all came in one season in twenty twenty one. So haven't seen him out there in in over a year. These are the guy. I mean, I was clamoring the entire like week or two after the draft for more undrafted free agents. Give us more. Yeah. Give us more. Give us more. And they they just never came. And those guys are are just such good values because they're going to, they're going to hit in the lower minors. They're going to pitch in the lower minors, whatever they're, they're going to get the job done early on. And then it really comes down to the intangibles with them, whether or not they're going to, they're going to take their game to the next level as well and succeed at double a. Uh, I, I think a lot of guys, a lot of guys, anywhere they're drafted, you could be drafting the second, third, fourth round and double a is going to be a test for you. So yeah. I think, I think that comes down a lot in part to a guy's the mental fortitude and how, you know, how much of their game is based on on the mental side rather than just the physical side. You know, we all these days clamor for physical tools, you know, exit velocity and just crushing the ball, not swinging and missing. But that a lot comes down to to a guy's approach and how yep. they're they're seeing the game. And some guys just they're not they're not made to to play baseball at a really high level, even though they're physically gifted. So I, I can't speak a ton to to Jason individually, but you know, the numbers are pretty ridiculous. These are some of the best E1 numbers we've seen in a long time. Yes, absolutely. I think you said that pretty pretty elegantly. It's just being a baseball player is more than just the numbers and the makeup. You gotta have that mental fortitude and I mean, ask Zach Veen how AA treated him. Ask Grant Levine how AA treated him last year. Like, there's some growing pains out there. So, it'll be, I mean, it's a, it's a name. It's something that we're going to watch out for and go with it. Like, if he makes some noise, absolutely. Um, another signing, Jake Snyder, Louisville product, 20th round by the Pirates in 2019. Was released, played indie ball last year. Um, don't Again, don't know much about him. Yeah, it's a signing. See where he goes. He's been assigned to the ACL. We'll see what happens. He is a born in '98, so 25 year old. I'm assuming it's an Albuquerque filler. Um, Nate Hadley came back. Very interesting name. He was signed yeah, last year. 26 year old. Um, played 18 games at the ACL last year. I don't know pitcher. Don't know much about that, but it's just like 
why are you bringing a 26 year old back that played in ACL? So maybe there's something there. I don't know. I don't know how to take that signing, but it's a signing that happened. Um, we'll leave it at that. And then the other, so let's talk the big ones. Um, last time we talked before Christmas break, I don't think we had this news, but Ty Block is back. He is a minor league contract with an invite to spring training. I personally feel indifferent towards it. I mean, he's a nice service piece to put in the starting rotation if you need it on the bullpen, lefty, all that. But I'd much rather see like Noah Davis or Carl Kaufman get that nod before Ty Block does. Yeah, I mean, like the the lefty aspect is is nice, and he'll probably just be in AAA most of the year. Although the fact that he pitched for them, he, he like think about it, he was wow. on the active roster for like the entire year. Yeah. That's like so crazy to me. Because he's he's obviously a slightly below replacement guy, you know. You could find you could find a lot of guys like him, and he was on the roster the entire year. I don't want to I don't want to drag his name through the mud, but I think a lot of that was because of his Colorado connection, and mm-hmm. we're seeing that with a lot of guys, and it's kind of cool creating this community, but it's also kind of concerning that the Rockies are a little bit limited. They continue to be limited. And, and their search for players. And I think that's a good segue into the Connor Siebold trade. Yep. They, this is a guy who I think he said he lived in Castle Rock for like five years. Yep. And he was at a, a, him and I hung out. He was at game 163. <laughs> was, he, oh, was yeah, that's, yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. Like he's a Colorado, he, he's not like a Colorado kid through and through, but he's a Colorado kid. And you've got to think, the Rockies have had their eye on him for like seven <laughs> years. That uh, is one thing the national pundits could do a little bit more of. They can make fun of the Rockies for signing Colorado talent a little bit more. Yeah, I'll smear that because like with that, and then and then there was the idea that Chriswell they traded for Jeff Chriswell. Uh, the idea is he played with Bill Schmidt's son at Michigan. Right. You've got Nolan Jones, who they've been interested in for you know since the draft. They wanted to draft him can't speak on some of these other guys, but they're basically bringing in guys that they already know a lot about rather than, I mean, I, yeah, you should, you, you should know a lot about everybody, but that they knew a lot about and were actively pursuing at some point in the past. Yeah. And yeah, you just assume, and then you start digging into it and there's something there every single time. Uh, do we like the Connor Siebold edition? Um, I'm very, it's a move. I don't. It's for a player to be named later. It was a, it was a trade with Boston. Um, what round a three round round three draft pick in 2017 has some major league um, time. It's not good time, but it's time. I don't know much about his arsenal. I know it's not not a very big fastball, but there's a big difference between his fastball and his changeup. Um, once he goes three fastball changeup slider. Yeah, fastball, slider, changeup, curveball occasionally. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the changeup, the changeup has what it takes to be a solid MLB pitch. I think the slider, you know, it's going to get by, but probably not something that he wants to be throwing a ton. But, you know, the Rockies, they have a lot of experience with sliders and developing sliders, even taking guys with curveballs and turning them into sliders. So I think that they, if if there's an organization, not, not an organization, but if there is a organization (laughs) that can help guys develop sliders, like the Rockies are one of them. Um, So maybe his slider can take a step forward. I think his slider, 
you look at his numbers from last year with the the Red Sox got absolutely hammered. Uh, you know, eleven two nine ERA and five starts. I, a lot of that really just came down to hanging a couple sliders, fastball being hammered because it's not a you know a great pitch. I think it's a good enough fastball, and you see again we're getting deep into the philosophy of the Rockies right now. Connor Seabold threw his fastball up in the zone a lot last season. The Rockies are always going to have guys throw him down. I think his fastball will work better down in the zone. Yep. You know, he is he's not a, a high velo guy, you know, not getting a lot of vertical movement on that on the fastball. So it's not coming in with the modern flat shape you want when you're trying to throw up in the zone. Yet teams will take guys like that and insist they throw up in the zone anyway. And I think that's a big reason why Seabold, you know, his ground ball percentage was like, I, I, I can't say it off the top of my head, but it was like 30 or lower. Like he was not getting ground balls. And a lot of it had to do with him throwing up in the zone when he shouldn't have been. So with the Rockies, they're going to have him throw the fastball down in the zone. He's got a, at least an average MLB changeup. Maybe the slider takes a step forward. Like this is, this is a guy they're going to get their hands on him. They're going to mold him a little bit more to be what they want. I think he's at worst like a, a swing man. That like he's an MLB pitcher. Yeah, yeah. I I think the project piece is the big thing. I think to take away what you just said, he's he's got to. They have they see something in him like players to be named later. Maybe it's the money. I have theory that is maybe it's the money they got from the Rays in the Rule Five draft. <laughs> Than that, that uh, money offered to Boston, um, probably a little bit more than that, but hopefully that's you know something like that. Um, so we'll see. The other big signing, I absolutely love this signing, being in the Detroit area. Harold Castro, dude, is just Harold, <laughs> good old hitting Harold. It's you look at his numbers, like I think his OPS is around 700 career, like, but he puts he's like that professional at bat dude. Uh, he just puts something together each at bat. He makes you fight for it. He can hit to all fields. He's just that professional hitter that I always enjoyed watching when I was watching a Tigers game. And that's what I have to it. His defense is very sus. It's the fact that he might be playing shortstop on opening day. <laughs> some weird reports, some theories out there. <laughs> like kind of scares me because he is he is not Tobar. He is not Story. He is not too low. And so being able like watch, he's not Jose. Like, Jose is better than him by landslide. Jose Reyes. I saw Harold more in at second base, more in the in the corners or a DH than I did playing shortstop when he was with the Tigers. But I just I think this is a nice insurance piece. Like we need something to happen. We have Harold hitting Harold down below. Like let's call him up. He has the major league experience, so let's go for it. I think this is a nice sneaky low low-risk, high-reward move by the Rockies. Well, I think he's a sneaky, like, guy to hit the opening day roster. Like, I don't love that. I mean, the Rockies didn't really touch the offense this offseason. It was all, let's find let's find cost-effective pitching options. And the offense that they had, it was Nolan Jones, who's not a lock to make the opening day roster because the Rockies have, like, five guys in the outfield mix. And even more guys in the in five guys in the corner outfield mix and then more guys in the corner infield group. Yeah. So Nolan Jones, decent chance he starts in triple A. 
the Rockies need a guy like Hitton Harold who can play some second base. Like he better not touch shortstop. Like I, we need to like clean out the air here. Like, so that that, what you said does not come true. Like we cannot have Harold Castro playing shortstop. No. And taking like the Jose Iglesias role. I brother, like that's when the national opponent is going to attack him. Ben Verlander is the, (laughs) he was a Detroit product. He watched JV all the time. He knows a little bit about Harold. So maybe he would, say something nice there but or not i don't know but god all i know is the i Rockies. just want to be saying hit and herald more like i I, I can't stop myself from from saying it like it, it's, it's so a very fun. fair nickname though too <laughs> like I, I love the nickname um that was that's for my my buddy from out here so i appreciate that that little tidbit there from the nickname um i'm trying to look up where he was playing Oh, fielding. There it is. But I think everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's trying to get his thing. I, I think those are all the signings. I mean, there's never a bad signing. <laughs> Fernando Abad joined the ranks. Josh Rogers. I don't know if we talked about them. Nick Mears, Phillips Valdez. I'm not sure. I think I think those are two we haven't yet. And I I wanted to touch on both of those guys because I think those were two the two sneakiest pitching moves of the offseason that like the the Rockies deserve a lot more credit for what they've done. Like, when was the last time the Rockies just got a guy off of waivers who's pitched in Major League Baseball who throws a hundred? If you're Nick Mears, or who, in the case of Philip Valdez, he literally has one of the best changeups in all of baseball. Yeah, you're you're educating me. Keep educating, brother, and keep going. Like, yeah, Phillips Phillips Valdez. I forget who. Who was who tweeted it out? They, you know, they're they're one of the big pitch pitch people, pitch science, whatever you want to call it, kind of people. His changeup has the most horizontal movement in Major League Baseball. The numbers, like the production on it, it, it backs it's backed up by that. And like that's his changeup is filth. You're, that's Valdez, right? Yeah, Phillips Valdez. And Mears. Um, I'm pulling up his numbers right now, so we can get a little more empirical data in the chat do we know more do we know enough about horizontal movement especially at the change of level at altitude i can't say off the top of my head i mean i think all movement is is capped a little bit at cores but i think the reason the rockies try to go after guys who throw slider change up instead of a a curveball is and just other pitches that rely a lot on vertical movement is because horizontal the horizontal break is not quite as effective uh, so you there's, I mean, in, every time in and out. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, you're on something that makes sense. I, I saw it like having, having a guy whose main pitch is a changeup, you know, like, especially one that's breaking arm side rather than, you know, trying to fade on you. I don't think it's going to get impacted much by altitude. And it's just such a hard pitch to hit. It, it averages 87 miles per hour. Like, that thing is really good. I think he he also should be on the roster like opening day. The only obstacle in the way for him is that he's not on the forty man. I don't know. I I tweeted this out when they signed him. I don't know how they got Phillips Valdez on a minor league deal. Like he pitched good innings for the Red Sox last season. Like and and everybody knows. Everyone has access to the, to the data that his changeup is insane. Like he has a really incredible changeup you just can't teach it and then he's got a mid-90s sinker 
that plays off of it pretty well. Like that's, that's like pitch tunneling, you know, to the max, like you've got a, a pitch that or two pitches that move in the same direction. One's coming in at 87 and the other's coming in at 94 with, with slightly different movement profiles. Like that two pitch combo, it just sounds like course field heaven. Preach. I love that. Yeah, I don't know much about it, so I'm, I'm glad you're here to tell me a little bit about it. So Valdez is something that we're going to watch in the minors, see how he does it, Albuquerque at that altitude, and see if it plays up. Um, I'm coming back to Hidden Herald. Dude, man, has not played a lot of shortstop. Um, he started his career mostly at second base and outfield, okay? And then, then the last few years when the Tigers had absolutely nobody at shortstop um, before Javi, they he filled in over there and then last year he filled in at shortstop only 19 games when Javi was gone so in with that hitting Harold has played 70 games at shortstop 85 at second base 68 at first 65 at outfield 51 at third like he's the ultimate utility player dude man is not a shortstop he should not be the opening day shortstop I he's gonna be the opening day shortstop. I just wish you didn't say it because I had never even considered that yeah but like He's below average at first base, and and the guy got shortstop innings last season. Like that doesn't really make sense to me. I mean, if there's some, if there's a team out there that's comparable to what the Rockies are doing right now, is the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> it's you it's can also true. Go back and forth. Minus the starting rotations are probably a little bit younger, a little bit more uh, future heavy, but the Rockies and Tigers have way too many similarities for my. Um, my level like it's terrible like what i've done to myself when it comes to baseball and it's it what's crazy is in 2021 he also played center field yeah like is the ultimate utility player he is why, the captain of the rockies 2023 but like why did the tigers have him playing up the middle his career outs above average at all positions is minus 32 i feel like you're turning this into a bashing hit hitting herald segment and i don't know if i'm gonna allow that I, I just want this to become a utilized hit and herald segment because his expected weighted on base average was above average last season. Like, I mean, I think that's the most descriptive stat for how a player performed on offense. And it, it suggests he is above average or at least close to average. Like he, his contact ability is very good. Like you don't find guys like him very often who are not going to swing and miss at pitches very much. Uh, who are putting a lot of balls in play and actually making pretty decent contact. Like he's not a Jonathan Daza who's only making like, like we contact, like he's always making contact and he's capable of hitting 10 homers. So I, I think that's a skill set that at Coors Field could be really interesting. Like, yep, it worked for Jose a little bit last year. No, exactly. Like, I think he, I think he should be filling the Jose Iglesias hole, except like not at shortstop. Like play backup <laughs> Rogers at second. You know, pick up a couple starts at first, maybe DH. I I mean, the Rockies bench to me is is really in in a shaky spot, especially when you're looking at like a backup middle infielder. Although saying he's a backup middle infielder instead of just second baseman might be stretching the truth a little bit. But like the the Rockies need another infielder. It really is the point. I mean, and Harold Castro is he, he's technically an infielder, even though he can play I, know, I might be able to play better defense than him right now. I let's put that to the test. Harold, if you're listening, if your people are listening, let's get you an Albuquerque. Well, 
get out there with Tyler at the New Mexico field and uh, let's let's put this to the test. That would be, fun. That'd be fun content. Um, I will get smoked, but I like I'll still <laughs> I'll still stick to my guns and and give it a shot. Yeah, I don't hear Ben Verlander talking like that. He would. <laughs> <laughs> he could probably sling. I think I you know again we're in I'm in the positive mode. You know, Ben Verlander, great guy. I think he could throw 90. I think Ben could sling 90. So uh, I got to give him some credit there. He, he is a former minor league baseball player, so he probably has some talent there. However, his pod skills need to get a little bit better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that covers our rundown. Um, do we want to give a little sneak preview to our Rockies royalty? What up, Nate? What up, Rockies roundup? We got joined by Rockies royalty. Like, if you're gonna follow any Rockies people on Rockies Twitter, top ten probably each of these, each of these two. So, I mean, it seems like every time we like the last time we did one of these, like everybody pulled up, and I'm like, why? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> right? Yeah. So, let's give let's give a slight preview. So the this was MLB top 100 baseball prospects day which is fantastic it's a great day love that they've been building it up with the top 10 at each list we have plenty of players um we have five five total players on a top 10 position list and we have four in the top 100 you i don't know if mike's ready for it but we have four we all know who the four players are yep mike wasn't ready for it do you know where they stand so where where does um, Ezekiel Tovar rank in the top 100 to start the season? Well, are you are you like, asking me? Because yeah, I'm like, I'm looking at the rankings right well, now. So. Okay, so there goes that game. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ezekiel Tovar 25, Zach Veen 27. Um, let's just keep going, keep going, keep going. Adele Amador 68, which I love. A 19 year old Rockies in the top 100 that high. Who's probably going to be a second baseman by when it's all said and done? I kind of dig that. And then Drew Romo, the catcher of the future that we can all get behind, that we all love, um, is at 84. And then I'm throwing it out there: he should be top 100. Grant Levine, top 10 first baseman, right behind Tolia. I'm not sure why Tolia's not in here either, but they have six and seven uh, first base top 10. So friend of the pod, making noise. Fantastic dude. Go catch up on the last pod when we caught up with him. Um, we feeling good about this? We feel happy about the four and the hundred? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm honestly glad that Romo stuck in the top 100. I know a lot of, of outlets like Baseball America, I think, still had him firmly in their top 100. But, like, his second half this past season was far from ideal. Um, and I, I mean, he'd be, he'd be the first person to tell you that I bet. So I, I totally could have seen him dropping out of the top 100, but him at 84 still it's, it, so it's, I'm glad he's still there. He's obviously got the talent to hit double a and, and ball out and, you know, push top 50 again. But I, I don't know if there's anyone that really deserved getting pushed in there. Like the next closest guys for the Rockies, I, they're all, you know, potential top 100 prospects in the future, but I think it'd be pushing it a little bit to say they're top 100 now. Like you think about warming Bernabelle or Benny Montgomery, right. uh, you know, Jordy Vargas are, are some of the guys that I would try to make a case for maybe, but I don't think I'd be making a good faith effort at arguing them for top 100. 
Um, so that was, that, that's a nice little segue. We've been full of segues tonight. So the question is, which Rocky hitter and or pitcher do you see making the top 100 as prospects graduate out of the 100? So the next guy's up. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'll stick with at least one of the guys I mentioned. Well, I guess there's there's two pitchers, I think, that, that are the most feasible. The first I already mentioned, Jordy Vargas. He has so he's gotten so much love in the the like the general scouting community. I think I think people in the national scouting group are higher on Jordy Vargas than Rockies fans are about Jordy Vargas. I don't think people have come around on him completely. And not not to really you know, criticize that because he barely pitched in Fresno last year and it's hard to put a lot of stock into ACL numbers, but you just can't deny this stuff. Like he's got a great fastball. Like he's got two plus pitches, like two sixty grade pitches in his fastball and his curveball. Changeup is pretty good. He can spot pitches in the zone. Like we all remember Hell Chris Olivares getting some top one hundred buzz and getting a lot of love. But there was always that command issue with Olivares. And then you've got Jordy Vargas, who doesn't really have those concerns and arguably has better stuff, just isn't a lefty. So I think Vargas, if he starts out hot this season, absolutely going to be a top 100 prospect midseason. But there's also a case to be made for Jaden Hill. Yeah, that's my pick. Jaden Hill, just electric with what he came back and did in Fresno last year, coming right out the gate with all the injury stuff. I think his makeup and his, his attitude, I think is a big part of it. We talk about Joe rocks. I don't give an F attitude. I think Jaden Hills right there with it when he's between the white lines. And then we all, by now we all know how great of a dude he is off the field. Like, I just think the overall makeup of what he is and what he's going to put into everything he needs to, to be great is gonna take him so so much farther and he already has the talent with it and and you can speak more about the specifics of it but i think just Jaden hill piping 95 97 with the off speed is just gonna be deadly yeah i mean he's got he's got one of those like wicked change-ups that you know we, we just talked about phillips valdez like those kinds of change-ups don't grow on trees like no. Devin Williams and his and his it, like his changeup got dubbed the Airbender. Like Jaden Hill's changeup could reach that kind of level and be one of the best changeups in baseball. And I think a really good changeup is underrated. Like when you have a changeup that can serve as that change of pace, uh, you know the just throw hitters off with it with a velo change and yep. it, without changing the eye level on them, like but also a pitch that just generally you can throw as a swing and miss offering. Like that's a really valuable pitch. Like when you have, it, it just combines everything. Like you could throw it in any count. It's easier to command than a breaking ball. You, you're not going to hang it so easily. Like a good changeup can be not, not a good change. A great changeup can be, I think one of the most valuable tools in a pitcher's toolbox. So Jaden Hill, the fact that he's got that, it's just a rare changeup. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think the Rockies have had a change of that good in the system, you know, in a in a long time. I don't even really know who I'd put put on that. Like they just usually they're I mean, most prospects like they're riding a fastball and a really good breaking ball. If they're if they're a good pitching prospect getting noticed, not a lot of guys these days have huge stuff and are primarily fastball change up. Yeah, 
it's, it's going to be a nice little change of pace with what the makeups of all the other pitchers are. Just being able to go fastball slider guy and then fastball change up. And there's something to say about a 15, 20 mile per hour difference in the same looking pitch. If you can tunnel that, if you can hone that in, <laughs> it's going to be sexy. Yeah. Uh, let's give a little taste. Give a little taste to the people. Um, I mean, we just talked about Jaden Hill. He is the number six prospect on the first BSB release out there. Uh, look for all the breakdowns and write us up there. But we talked about it, so I figured there's a little taste for y'all. You're welcome. Uh, again, that list is dropping next week. Um, the hitter that pops into the top 100 as Drew Romo graduates, <laughs> as we got some royalty in here with that too. Uh, who's the hitter that you see making the top 100 as they come into, as other prospects graduate out? Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna push Jordan back onto the table because and I and I'll be I'll be the first to say I was really hesitant. Like just hearing that name on yeah. draft night, I was kind of Makes not me- stoked with it. But the dude is maybe I don't want to say he's maybe the best athlete. He's one of the best athletes in the system, though. And and it's pretty clear to, to say that he's one of those guys that could probably play any sport. Like if he had trained up as a kid, he could be, you know, shooting guard on on a on a basketball team. He could play like tight end or wide receiver in the NFL or middle linebacker. Like He could do anything with his size and athleticism. It's just not common. You see guys like that, but. I had a theory going into well after the draft that a lot of his struggles were actually because of how good it sounds. It sounds counterintuitive that his, some of his his struggles would be because of how good his lineup was. But I think he was a little hyper aggressive last year because yeah. he knew he was going to be getting pitches to hit, and a lot of his game in the past was built on you know his 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 approach and being patient and waiting for pitches that are are really where he likes them. Instead, last year he was swinging a lot more, not, you know, hitting hitting the bombs that he. I mean, he had plenty of plenty of homers. He had a lot of memorable moments last season with Tennessee. Just <laughs> a couple bat throw, not bat drops, not bat flips, bat throws. Like he had that going for him. Yeah, I just think he's a five tool guy. I think his hit tool got a little swept under the rug last season. I think he's a really good hitter with huge power with speed and maybe he gets a taste in center field. I, I don't really want to hype that up because I don't know if the, the Rockies will do that or not, but yeah, I, I'm, I was just going to ask you, where do you think you see him? So I, I think corner outfield to start, but I can see him playing center too. I, I'm not big on Jordan back. I need to see it before. Um, he, he had a pretty good debut last year with Fresno. He definitely put some pop out there. Um, imagine he'll start with Spokane and make some noise up there. I know the national pundits love him. Um, you know, Ben Vernon Lander probably doesn't even know who he is. <laughs> um, I, I love warming. I love warming Bernabel. The, just what he did last year, just rising to the top, making that 40 man name. Just, I think the Rockies are going to put a lot of stock into him, making sure he's developing the way they want him to. And he just has a knack at baseball. Just, he can pick it. He can hit it. I, he's just good. He's just really good, and I love watching him play. Which I think, for me, if I if I enjoy watching you play, I think that speaks a lot about your talent. Because <laughs> um, I've watched some bad, terrible baseball, and there's just some bad things I just don't want to see again. And I don't think warming does that. I mean, 
sure, you were at three at Fresno last year, hitting three seventeen, but then you went up and you hit three hundred five at Spokane. Not not the easiest transitions that we've seen some players do. Like Tovar struggled when he moved up uh, two years ago. He's still slugging eight ninety four, eight hundred plus across the two the two levels last year. I think he's just a hitter, and he doesn't strike out. He had. 56 total strikeouts and 409 plate appearances last year. Again, you can't teach that kind of discipline as you move forward. So, Double A, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rocky start, I think. But I think he's he's just so darn good. It's he's just an overall well-rounded hitter. He can do power, he can do average, he can do whatever you need him to do. Yeah, I mean, he's got kind of the, those gifted hands. Like you, I mean, every baseball player is gonna have good hands. And if they if they don't have good hands by by you know layperson standards, like they're not gonna make it far. But warming Bernabelle's hands are are extremely good among a group of people with really good hands. So like just very quick. I, I think that's you, you see some guys in the big leagues. You could think of Nolan even. Like his yeah. hands are very quick. He can get around on an inside pitch and like he he did very well with ins, with with pitches on the inside and I think I think those are the best hitters in the game the ones that can really get around because um, if you can get around on like heat on the inside like maybe you're not looking for pitches on the outside but you can certainly get to balls on the outside but like today's major league baseball is about throwing up and in with heat and having guys who can who can hit that is really key. And so I can't I can't speak like I I haven't watched Warming Bernabel closely enough to know if he hits high heat really well, but the speed of his hands and and you know his hand eye coordination, how often he's making contact, like you would assume he's one of those guys who can handle just about any pitch thrown at him. You you would almost guess that he's so confident in his hands that he might struggle with the secondary stuff more so because he thinks he can hit anything. So that's something we're going to have to watch out for this year is like, how is he handling high quality secondary stuff? Cause that's like every young player's down. Like if, if a young player is not going to make it and push for the big leagues and be a, a, a good big league player, it's because they can't hit secondary stuff. You know, I think pitchers rejoice when they don't really have to throw fastballs. I know fastballs feel comfortable, but fastballs are what gets hit. Uh, yeah. Unless you hang a breaking ball or you hang, you know, a changeup, th- those are not the pitches getting hit out. It's fastballs and it's mistake breaking balls. So when pitchers are like, "Hey, I don't have to throw a fastball to this guy," uh, or a competitive fastball, I-, I think they're fine with that nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. I again, you just put things so elegantly, much much more detail, much more scouting report esque than I do, but. I saw that. That's, that's those are our picks, right? So Jaden Hill, Jordy Vargas, and then Jordan Beck slash um, Warming Bernabel to crack into the top 100 by years in as these players graduate. And there's going to be a lot of graduations because if you look at the top five on this list, Gunnar Henderson, he's going to be opening day roster. Corbin yeah. Carroll, day roster. Opening day roster. Francisco Alvarez, opening day roster. Jordan Walker, Volpe, Painter, Grayson Rodriguez. Like you can just follow the Rockies and you still know those names and you know they're going to be MLB players. Like Tovar is going to be off this list soon, right? So there's going to be some graduations. Well, MLB always does a good job of keeping up with it. So Jackson Holiday's number 12. Just a nice list. That's cool. Um, so there's that. So let's end it. We've been going for a hot minute, man. We got, let's, uh, 
put a little teaser out again. We put out Jaden Hills, the number six. Let's just pick one player each and give what we put them on our on our BSB rankings. That's that's fair. I'm gonna have you. You can go first on this. You can go right. first on this. I feel like I've been hogging hogging the space. Dugan Darnell is number one. Um, on, <laughs> I'm just playing. We love Dugan Darnell. He is on our top. Uh, did he make it? No, he is our honorable mention of our top 35. So we are trying to keep it professional as much as we can. I just. I the one that I love that I don't know if you necessarily did I've opened the wrong spreadsheet um was Nolan Jones. I think I put him way higher than you all did. My re- rationale was I think players that should that are closer to the major leagues get a little bit more of a bump than say somebody else. Like Nolan Jones was number 8 on my list. He's number 15 on all of our list. 16. I just I love what he brings to the table. Everybody's down on him. He strikes out more than what he was doing. He lost his patience at the plate. I just think you don't necessarily lose patience. You can go back to what your foundation is. You can find what it is to that made you a good baseball player. And being a top prospect at one point, you're going to have a chip on your shoulder. You got traded to a team that wants you. I just think there's so much upside with Nolan Jones that I and the power in the arm is just going to be so much fun that he sh- deserves to be high on this list. So I'm kind of mad that at the rest of you all that brought him down. <laughs> but he's again, he's eight on my personal list, number 16 on the BSB rankings. That's just a little preview there. I'm going to see if I can – actually, I don't know if I'll be able to find our, our whole spreadsheet in time. I think the reason he ended up dropping out of the top 15 is because Nick – did not rank him kind of in in preparation for him graduating, which uh, I wish sure. he he had gotten a rank somewhere because that would have pushed him up a few spots. Uh, I I think I had him top fifteen for sure, maybe top twelve. You you had him uh, at you had eleven. You had him at eleven. 11. Okay, I had him at twenty two. And like you said, the promotion piece of it made Nick keep him off. I I'm really excited to watch him this year, though. Like. He's got all the tools, you know. I think he swings big, which is always going to come with with a lack of precision. Like he's he's not going to be the guy who who rarely strikes out and hits three twenty. But if he can hit enough, like even if he he hits like two twenty this year, that is probably going to mean like twenty five homers if he's getting a, a good role with this team. And if the Rockies are are real serious about seeing what they have in house. Nolan Jones should start like 90 to a hundred games. Yeah. Like take the, the training wheels off there, you know, maybe beginning of the season's a, a little different. Cause he, he only got a cup of coffee with Cleveland last season, but the talent is all there. He's 24. Uh, he's probably your best asset in right field with, with that arm. And, you know, he's, he's a, a bit quicker at this stage, of course, than Charlie Blackman. So I would throw him in right field as much as possible. Absolutely. So I, I totally agree with you putting him high. You know, I definitely try to hold a balanced approach in terms of with my prospect rankings. Like, given the given the guys who are who are in the lower minors a good shot at things and, and trying to gauge their upside. But you know, yeah, Nolan Jones, he should be higher on the BSB list. But sixteen is is pretty solid. Who who do I want to drop? I think I'm going to drop a, a friend of the pod. Um, Go coming in at twenty four. We got Case Williams, and I think he's someone who's getting a little bit fatigued, like from from the national scouts. Like 
I guess we can't see MLB.com's 2023 Rockies rankings, but I don't think Case Williams, wait, let's see, was he in the 2022 top 30? Um, I don't think so. No. So he's not on the, in the MLB.com top 30 for the Rockies, but the dude is just, he, he's got so many tools like coming out of high school. He's spinning his breaking ball, like 3000 RPM, you know, his fastball is already touching like the mid upper nineties. And that was when he was coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. He's now two years. It's, it's crazy to think he's entering his third pro season. Like, he, you know, was that high school kid, maybe a little unexpectedly drafted. I don't know if he was expecting that going into the draft. Um, and now, now he's two seasons in and showed so much growth last year. I think a lot of that uh, was was due to, you know, he's not in here anymore, unfortunately, Chris Romo. But I think Drew Romo does have a huge impact on those young pitchers. Yeah, and I bet Case Williams was was very happy to be throwing to him. Last season, instead of you know going to Cincy and throwing to whoever they've got behind the dish, right? Um, but Case Williams, I, when we talked to him, he said he he really figured out like the slider, and that gave him a fourth pitch by accident. So Crazy. yeah, kind of by accident, just was like maybe messing around. With, I mean, we all when we were playing baseball just threw random grips and stuff, and he was like, "Oh, that's the slider grip." All right, and. <laughs> Now he has four pitches and he stays in the zone and he's he's got good enough stuff to I think he's got good enough stuff already to compete at the big league level, but yeah. there's just a little bit more that has to happen on the on the mental side of things, uh ex- pitch execution side of things that he's not quite there yet. But yeah, Case Williams is a dog. Yes, he is. And he wants to be on that mound the entire nine innings every single time, which that gaming aspect that I just, those intangibles that you can't see on a stat sheet, they do play out uh, sooner or later. And I think the Rockies like him, like kind of like what you're saying, the comfortability with Drew Romo behind the plate. Um, this was like, his first normal year last year. Like you had COVID 2020 being drafted in 2020, and then 2021 being traded, um, and then being traded back. And then finally like, all right, third year in the professional season, I'm playing with one franchise, one organization, and I'm going to work my way up. Like his stats don't do him any justice. Like he has a 4.22 ERA at Fresno, a 5.557 ERA at Spokane last year. But what he was able to do game in and game out, like he had some gems and in, intertwined in, in there. So I like that pick. Good, good little out, out there teaser piece there for everybody. Case Williams at number 24. And I think we're going to call it a night, man. We've been going out this, what, two hours? We just did two hours of pod there? Pretty much. I guess we've got one and, and uh, unfortunately they left two Rockies MILB report. They also dropped Riley Wydell as a name in the in the, in the the replies. Off the top of my head, you know, I don't have a take on him, but while we're here you know, let me see what we can do there. Just for those that, that did spend the time in here, we'll we'll throw some love their way. Because so it looks like the dude that made a spot start in Fresno, that made a spot spart start in Spokane, was like in like a week of each other. Oh yeah, that's that is that's right. Um, and I don't think either one went very well. <laughs> um. Because I think I, I want to recall that MILB Rockies report. Um, again, fantastic Instagram follow. 
was really high on him when he made his debut out there. I think, yeah, looking at, at fan graphs, they've got, and this is his 2018 report, so certainly far off at this point. But in 2018, they threw a 50 grade on his fastball and a 55 grade on his curveball and changeup. So at one point, I'm guessing this was after his 2017 debut that looked rock solid, um, you know, with with some really good stuff. They were they were all in on him, and then last season, you know, there was enough that uh, I think he's worth keeping an eye on. He's left-handed, so I'm not going to sell him to to you know the the higher powers, but like some double A pitching depth with swing and miss stuff that yeah. you know we need that. So yeah, and he can be a starter. He can be a reliever. Yeah. It's a name. <laughs> we we'll keep an eye on it. On it. Yeah. There's a, there it is. August fifth, he started in Fresno, and then on August 9th, he went up to Spokane and started. So yeah, five days, four days apart there. Um. So Riley Woodell. All right. It's a name to follow there. Um. This was fun. Hopefully, this recording actually downloads the way I think it does. <laughs> it helped for content. But if you're listening, this is the last part, the second part of this nice pod. Then we're going to release the Blake Street Banter um, on Monday. And then we're going to release this, the Road to Blake Street Banter piece, the following Monday, whatever those dates are. So if you missed it on the Twitter space, that's fine. You're listening now. And then maybe join us next week in two weeks from now on the next Twitter space. Again, whatever date that might be. And yeah, we we appreciate all. We had a, we had a handful of you guys stop in. Yes. Um, you know, these are these are always fun. Uh, we'll try to get some some more of these going before spring training and all that. Well, not necessarily before maybe one before spring training and then another one before the season. Uh, try to get you guys hopping in as as speakers with us, you know, have a conversation yeah. and all that. It's crazy. We're we're just over a month from from spring training games. Oh, I'm so excited. So, Things are going to ramp up. You know, we're, we're getting back into the swing of things here. Yes. Love that. Let's, uh, let's do it again in a few weeks. Let's run it back. Go Rocks Minor League Affiliates. Woo! Thank you for watching and listening. Please check out our link tree for more content.